Welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast, where your host, Isabel Ross, interviews experts and athletes in the field of endurance sports. Isabel Ross is a three-time Australian long-distance mountain running representative at the World Championships with a best finishing place of 10th female. Twice Australian trail champion, she has won the six-foot track marathon, run a sub-three-hour marathon, and won a 24-hour track race overall with a distance of 198.7 kilometers, as well as competing in and winning grueling ultramarathons in rugged, mountainous terrain. Isabel has raced all over the world, including participating in the notorious Barkley Marathons. Isabel is an Australian and USA-accredited endurance coach working with athletes of all levels and is a certified UESCA ultra running coach. She's also a personal trainer and podcast host. Are injuries or niggles ruining your enjoyment of running and hindering your performance? Get on top of these and see the specialists at Health and High Performance. Utilising the latest in technology and with a wealth of experience, the team at Health and High Performance can assist you with all your running, injury and performance needs. So get back to enjoying your running and achieving the results you are capable of. Head to healthhp.com.au forward slash run or find them on Instagram at healthhighperformance. Health and High Performance are located in Montalbert, Melbourne, but are available for telehealth appointments not only Australia-wide, but also around the world. Contact them on their website to find out more. Wild Earth Australia are the online store to help you make the most out of the outdoors with top quality gear at great prices. Peak Endurance podcast listeners can use the discount code PEAKENDURANCE in all capitals to get 10% off at checkout. Head on over to wildearth.com.au to get everything you need for your next adventure. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Episode 123 is an interview with the amazing Pat Farmer. Pat is best known as the only man who has run continuously from the North Pole to the South Pole. And he is also a multiple world record holder for endurance running. He has run around and across Australia, New Zealand, India, Vietnam and North America. Pat also served eight years as a member of Australia's Parliament with three years as Parliamentary Secretary for Education, Science and Training. He was the winner of Achiever of the Year in 2000, which was awarded by Prime Minister John Howard. <clears throat> and he was also National Geographic's Adventurer of the Year in 2012. Pat has raised millions of dollars for causes during his 30-year running career, including Lifeline, Cancer Council, Australian Red Cross, Diabetes Australia, and the Nani Kali Foundation for Education of India's Girl Child. Pat is currently in the final stages of a relay foot race that is seeing two teams of four complete a thousand miles in just 10 days. This ultra race between two teams, which are Australia versus USA, is testing the limits of endurance, commitment and determination, all in the name of raising awareness of and funds for youth mental health service reach out. I hope you enjoy this episode and if you do, would you be able to do me a favour and subscribe and write a review? It truly doesn't take much time but it means so much to me. Not only does this doing this help to boost the ratings of the show, it increases its audience reach, meaning more athletes like you get to listen. And to be honest, it really makes my day reading the reviews. 
I have limited coaching places left. If you are planning a race in 2022, which seems like a long time away, but it's not, now is the time to get started on your training. To secure a spot on Team Peak Endurance, email me, Isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au and that's Isabel, I-S-O-B-E-L, to get the ball rolling. Enjoy the episode. Hey, it's Tom Dade here. I'm back with some more thoughts. And this week I want to talk about goals and how currently, since lots of races have been cancelled um, and everything, it's going to be hard you know, it's hard for people to set these goals they're after because of the uncertainty if the race is going to go ahead or if not or whatever. And that can lead to a lot of uh, demotivation, just not being motivated to do your training uh, in these current times. And then you get smacked with the lockdowns and you can't train exactly how you want to train and then you can't just give up on the whole thing and it's so easy to get caught in that rut. Um, and I, I just want to say we should try and focus on goals and create new goals that have some certainty around them and so you know that'd be things that aren't races and stuff we can actually do at home um and just try and think of goals that you're able to try and do at home so they can kind of get that inspiration uh, and really take t- you know take the time to think about it you know whether even an hour or so just to think about what you could what goals you could attain at home that could help you um get that motivation to train um, because yes, it's very uncertain times at the moment, and you, you don't want to lose that motivation to train. So, think of some new goals you can get after that aren't necessarily races or these kind of things, because you need them. Okay, hi Pat, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you. I'm in the middle of a run at the moment, so it's uh, perfect timing. <laughs> that is certainly for a running podcast. Nate, can you tell the listeners a bit about this run that you're currently in the middle of? I know it's called a thousand miles to light, but yep, as yeah, on there, there, there it is. As as on my shirt, it's called one thousand miles to light. It was originally a run that was going to start from from Broome through to Byron Bay, and yeah. then because of the COVID restrictions in the states locking down, uh, I transferred mm-hmm. it to be just in New South Wales, so from Broken Hill through to Byron Bay. And I thought I had everything under control at that. And then, of course, COVID really cut into New South Wales as well. Yeah. And we had to come up with an alternative. And that's when the army stepped in to save the day. The army were very keen on supporting the cause, which is youth mental health. And so they provided us with a venue here where we would be locked down uh, and kept away from the public, but able to do the event uh, with both an Australian team and an American team. Oh, okay. So you're actually in a sort of more of a confined area, am I right? Sort of. Yes, it's it's forty thousand acres. It's here at Singleton. It's Singleton Army Barracks. It's uh, the the infantry uh, the infantry barracks here. It's where a lot of the soldiers come to do their infantry training. Uh, and there is uh, fire trails all through the forty thousand acres, and we run a different course each day, which is mapped out by by the army. And so um, you have both the American runners, four American runners, four Australian runners. It's completely gen- gender neutral. So there is two, two women in each team and two men in each team. They yeah. don't necessarily run against woman against woman. It's uh, whoever is next in turn, they take off and they run. And so it's one of the beautiful things about this sport and about this, 
about, about this particular run is that uh, um, everybody is equal. Everybody's absolutely equal with the whole thing. And then of course we have this baton. We, and we hand over the baton from one runner to the next runner. So the American team have a baton, excuse me, and so do the Australian team. And the uh, baton is actually an Aboriginal message stick. Uh, and that message stick was made by an Aboriginal artist out of Broken Hill. And originally I had planned to carry that message stick uh, and hand it over every five kilometers from runner to runner to runner until we got to Byron Bay. And then that would be passed on to the Aboriginal community there, the Arakwal people there uh, in Byron Bay. So it was a, a wonderful way of honoring the Aboriginal people and the fact that we were traveling through their nations. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. <clears throat> And so um, you're doing, each runner is doing a 5K little block. And, and are you doing it as a race or is just yeah. as completing each block? It is absolutely a race. This is yeah. Australia versus America. It's, it, it's a race. Uh, uh, so it's, you run 5K as hard and as fast as you can according to the course and the temperatures that we're dealing with. Yeah. And then you hand over the baton to the next runner in your team and the Americans do the same. And so uh, it goes on from there. It's an ultra marathon. Like, don't take this lightly. We are still doing 160 kilometers per team per day. Yeah. Uh, in total distance, we will cover in 10 days, we will cover 1,000 miles. So by 5 p.m. at the latest tomorrow, we will have covered 1,000 miles. And that's why the run is called 1,000 Miles to Light. It was originally going to finish at the lighthouse at Byron Bay. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, hence the play, but also the play on words because it's for youth mental health for, for um, the reach, for reach out. And, and so reach out is all about providing a light to people that are in a dark place. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And, and what a great cause. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Now, you spoke about the course and, and the temperatures. What are the temperatures like and what is the course like? Well, the temperature today is around about 29 degrees. It's been like that most of the, most of the day. Uh, we'll run on into the early evening. Um, so uh, the, the times have been getting staggered each day, according to the film crew. There will be a, a, a beautiful film made out of this run and it'll be it'll be available available for people to watch on KO uh, yeah. here in Australia and it'll also be available in the United States as well and throughout Asia but um, uh, the, the, we'll finish so we'll finish in, in just on dusk or in the evening and, and I'm on a place called One Tree Hill at the moment there is one big tree here uh, see if I can move my camera around you can just see it there um, in the background see that yeah yeah Behind that car yeah so that's the one tree that they talk about in this place. Uh, and that uh, when, when the sun sets in the west there, it's gonna light up that tree beautifully for a wonderful shot to finish off the evening. Well, oh, that would be, that sounds like it'd be glorious. So, so when you're doing this, where are you sleeping at night? Because I'm presuming you stop for the night. Yeah, the army have put us up. So, so, so they'll set, they set up a, a base for us each day. So they set up tents and they set up a base. So we're basically isolated. We're out, we're out and away from everybody else. Yeah. We're able to have a bush shower, a bush shower, and we're able to have a wash and that sort of thing. So it's all good. But we're, uh, but, but we, um, we get a good night's sleep. Still, we get, we, we sometimes sit around the campfire and look at the stars and get the race briefing. Yeah. So it's it's quite quite romantic, 
<laughs> uh, but um, and and for the Americans to see the the typical Australian outback is tremendous. There's kangaroos everywhere. We've seen a couple of wild pigs. There've been um, some wild dogs around the place here. Uh, some, uh, of course, some rabbits and wombats and um, various bits and pieces around the place as well. So it all makes for a good film, and it and yeah. and it and it makes it for interesting running as well. And anybody that's ever run trails you know, about the, the romanticism of watching the mountains in the distance and actually making it through to those mountains, doing a U-turn and coming back to your location where you started off from. That's exactly what we're doing today. It's a, it's a, it's a loop road today, a, a loop race today. So we often see our competitors as we go and pass them. And it, but it's a nice way to have it. Yeah, yeah. And um, who's looking after you? Like, because during the day, I'm presuming you need food and drinks and that sort of stuff. Who's, who's crewing for you? Uh, once again, the army. The army have been oh, sensational. Okay. So I feel very, very privileged to have the army on board with this particular event. Uh, they were going, they originally signed up to be part of this journey when we were going from Broome through to Byron Bay uh, because they saw it as a great opportunity for a recruitment campaign, uh, a goodwill campaign through a lot of the Aboriginal communities that we would have passed through, through the Northern Territory, Western Australia, South Australia, and then on into New South Wales. But um, uh, then when the changes came about, the army was still very keen to get behind us and still very keen to support us with the event. And um, uh, community service uh, and uh, uh, mental health is something that's uh, first and foremost for the army as well we've seen the work that they've done through the bushfires and the floods uh, things that have happened in in outback new south wales and throughout the whole of australia and they're always there at the forefront so um this is a great way for getting uh, both uh both military and civilian engagement uh around a great cause which is reach out mm, no, excellent and and how did you come up with the idea of it being a race a relay kind of style race well, thanks, thanks for asking me that question because I've been doing this sort of running now for over 35 years. I cut my teeth on the old Sydney to Melbourne races, which Cliff Young, Tony Raffi, Joe Record, uh, Giannis Kuris, and all those guys made famous back in the old days, the late 1980s and, and 1990s. Um, and, so, and, and, and so I saw the, the sorts of ultra marathons that were around at the time and they were great for the competitors, but they weren't great for television because the runners would go on day and night, night and day, day and night, and they were absolutely wiped out. By the time they got down towards Melbourne, they're often, uh, they looked they looked a shadow of themselves and it didn't make great TV. So what I wanted to do was show people uh, the endurance of an ultra athlete, but still makes it, make it sexy and make it interesting for TV and for the general public that don't run as well. So mm. I'm trying to bring some of the shorter distance runners into the ultra scene by making it a relay event around 5K relays. Uh, but it's, it's still a hell of a long distance each day. And mm. so that's where the ultra comes into it as well. So it appeals for TV. It appeals to those people that are naturally shorter distance runners, helps bring them up to the ultra distance uh, experience. Uh, and still ticks all the boxes as far as endurance is concerned. So it works very, very well. And everyone will see that when the film comes out on KO. Yeah, and no, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, so um, how did you choose the teams as well? Well, the, uh, I'm very lucky. Uh, there is a lot of great ultra athletes uh, throughout Australia and indeed in America. I mean, 
I know all of all of your viewers would have would would be very aware of the Western States runs and uh, mm -hmm. Death Valley run and uh, you know many of the races throughout the states. Uh, I in fact have have run across America in the Trans American Foot Race a few times and a few other races in America. So uh, you know I had a good rapport with a lot of American runners anyway, so they were easy to tap into. And with the Australian runners, we got people like Gigi Hopkins who is just phenomenally strong. A great athlete. You and you watch her on into the future. I, I'm picking her to make it to the Olympics in the marathon uh, um, within the next two lots of Olympics, without a doubt. She's a very, very strong, very fast, and she's got exactly what it takes to make it all the way through to the Olympics. So there's Gigi Hopkins is from Sydney. She's Irish Australian. Uh, and very proud of her, her heritage. Then we've got Greta Truscott. Greta Truscott is a great uh, uh, run trainer. She has uh, over 200 people in her squad that she trained out of Centennial Park in Sydney. Uh, Greta, um, Greta trains people of all ages from kids right through to, to elderly adults. Uh, and she brings out the best of them. She's highly motivated. She's always a happy spirit to be around and she's a very fast runner, both herself and her husband, Chris. So Greta is uh, an, another great runner. So she was just a natural pick. And then of course, uh, Justin McDonald. Justin McDonald is a great club runner. He's got speed and he's got, he's, he's got talent that people haven't seen as yet, but they will, they will in the near future. I took Justin with me uh, with the same sort of concept as I have with this race over to Uganda a couple of years ago. Yeah. And we did a, a run in Uganda from, uh, from uh, Entebbe, which is the, capital through to Lira at uh, 500 kilometers. We ran hundred kilometers a day between five runners and we smashed out the pace and, and we did that very well. So I was very keen to get Justin on board for this event as well. So that was basically it, but I have, I have to tell you, uh, there will, this event will go back to its original concept next year from Broken Hill through to Byron Bay. And, and there will be qualifiers in each state. I'll organize qualifiers in each state. And I'd love to advertise that through your channel. In fact, uh, um, there will be qualifiers in each state and I want the best Australian team to take on the world. Mm -hmm. Originally, this race was going to have 16 teams from all over the world. The Kiwis were very interested in participating. The Canadians were very interested mm -hmm. in participating and so were the English. Uh, and then there was a number of Asian teams and South American teams very, very interested in participating. So I'll have no problems bringing them back next year, but we want the best possible Australian team so we're going to select the best from each state and then they're going to go head to head to, to represent Australia in this race next year. That sounds really exciting I didn't realize that that was the magnitude that you had it for um, planned for what, what a pity with with everything going on but obviously you know then there's always next year so, so that's brilliant. Now, now like you said um, in spite of you doing 5k blocks it is actually an you know a, an ultra so how are you backing up day after day and all of the runners but not just day after day but you know you do your 5k run then you stop and then you have to run again which is actually quite a difficult thing to do how are you um how are you all backing that up well as you know and as any any runner knows your your food your nutrition your nutrition uh, and of course your um the supplements that you take are very very important when you're pushing your body to the absolute limits we're lucky to have Caruso's, Frank Caruso uh, from Caruso's Vitamins and, uh, and, oh, yeah. and Supplements, uh, one of the major sponsors. 
and, and he has been fantastic. And he's had us on a regime of uh, good healthy eating and uh, a, a good, good dietary uh, with supplements because when you're doing this sort of mileage, it doesn't matter how well you eat, you just can't get enough calories into your body. Uh, in fact, when I did the run uh, from North Pole all the way through to the South Pole, I was actually on that run, I was actually drinking olive oil in the North Pole and the South Pole just to try and get enough calories into my body. And I still dropped down to only 47 kilograms by the wow. time I got out of the North Pole and into, and into Canada. So you, you, you will always lose weight on these things when, you, when you're doing such big mileage day after day after day. And that's why it's important that you have good calories that you're putting into your body. The old days of having salt and simple sugars and all, I mean, they're nice as a little mental booster, but uh, to be professional, you really have to watch your diet. You've really got to eat well. Uh, and so it's things like the right salads. Uh, uh, um, if you're after fats, you want the sort of fats that you're going to get out of avocados, nice ripe avocados that are easy to digest. Of course, all of your listeners would know the, the, the benefits of simple things like bananas and coconut water. So those are the sorts of, of mainstream foods that we're taking in. Uh, good healthy salads, bit of tuna for protein in the evening, that sort of thing. But nice, a nice, good, clean, lean diet. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in food being an important part of recovery. So that yeah, makes, you bet. Although I, have to, although I have to say, my go-to food at the end of the day is a chocolate milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> I just love, I crave the fat. I crave that, you know, that bit of fat, uh, just my body's craving something like that. So, you know, I, so I love a chocolate milkshake at the end of the day, but I do put a little bit of protein powder in there as well. Well, they do say milk is good for recovery. So, you know, yeah. I, think, I think you're in a good one there. Um, so how did you train for this, for something of, of this, you know, so much, so many days, basically 10 days of, of well, constant well, training? As, as you would know, because of the lockdowns, everybody's training got mucked around mm. incredibly so. So I, I have a, a, a treadmill, Life Fitness gave me a treadmill, a very good treadmill, um, a gym quality one. And I would practice on that. So I would jump on there for 5K, smash it out as hard and fast as I could, back off. Uh, back off, do some do some stretches, and go through a, a whole stretching regime, and and take in a little bit of food, and then jump back on again, and more or less try and replicate what I was going to do out here on the road. Uh, and the and the Americans did the same thing, but they were in the hotel in the hotel quarantine. And I have to tell you, I have nothing but respect for the American runners for what they had to go through and then to still back up and participate in this event and see it all the way through to the end. They are really phenomenal athletes. They are really, it's, a, it's an honour to be running with them. Yeah, I, I forgot that they would have to be in quarantine. That would have been um, tough to keep the training up. So in general, what is sort of your weekly mileage like when you are in training? Well, it depends. You know, when I was doing the old Sydney to Melbourne races, in the early days, I needed to build up a bit of pedigree. So I was doing anything up to 410 kilometers a week in training oh uh, back in the day. And then I've backed off on that over years. So these days, I, I'm usually doing around 210K a week. Wow. Uh, and that's varied between a morning and an afternoon run, a little bit of gym work in between, sometimes even some boxing training. Uh, so I try to mix it up a little bit uh, and just stay all around all all around fitness but uh of course like all all ultra runners i'll do a long run on a saturday or a sunday or you know at least two days a week have a decent long run so that'll that'll involve uh anything up to a 50k run 
Um, and then, uh, you know, maybe a 30K run on a Saturday and a 50K on the Sunday just to prove to my body I can back up. And then uh, through the week is everything like soft sand running, a bit of sprint work, a bit of this, bit of that, bit of everything, yeah. Wow, that, that's decent. And, and how do you stay injury-free? Please, give us your secrets. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's all about having a good stretching regime, making sure that you've, um, you, you know, you spend a bit of time get, getting regular massage uh, when you can, of course, when yeah. COVID restrictions aren't on. Uh, um, uh, a good healthy diet, you know, is, is really important for recovery. And then aside from that, your mental attitude is everything. So it's about having the discipline to believe in yourself that if something goes wrong and you miss a session or, or uh, you know, something goes wrong in your life, that you have the faith that you can back up again and you can just get on with the job regardless. And I think that's what the years of, of experience have taught me. Uh, so many people go into a dark hole if something goes wrong in their lives or they have a setback or they, they miss out on some training and or they miss out on an event and and it plays on their mind so much that they actually go backwards. And it's most important to have a good positive attitude all of the time. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. Thank you. Um, now, can you explain a bit about Reach Out and, and why you chose this cause and why why it's so important to you? Well, I've done runs for uh, I've done runs for Lifeline, and everybody in Australia is very aware of the work that Lifeline does. Uh, the work that Red Cross does um, in that space of, uh, of uh, people that are suffering from mental illness. But uh, Reach Out specialise in mental health for young people. So that's people between the ages of 14 to 25. And anybody that's got a, a son or a daughter, in particular a teenage child, they know that teenagers don't like talking. They, they, will, they will send a text message, they will type a They'll type a question uh, out to somebody out there in Never Never Land and try and get an answer, but they they just won't open up. They don't like the face-to-face -face engagement and they don't like to admit if they've got problems or things going on in their life. Now, maybe drugs, might be alcohol, might be bullying. It might be just a lack of self-confidence, so many different things. But it's most important, most important for them to be able to reach out to somebody and to be able to get the answers that they're looking for. And what happens is uh, a reach out is specifically tailored to suit young people. Uh, it's geared, it's, it's in that space where they can get the answers that they're looking for to be able to help them through the tough times that they might be experiencing, especially around exam time, mm. as far as students are concerned, uh, you know, especially around bullying issues. Um, these, this point in time, imagine what it's like for so many people that have tried to, to make something of themselves and then their HSC has gone to custard because they haven't been able to study in the classroom, haven't been able to get the support they wanted, or they've, they've done all right at school and then they've gone to get their first job. They only just started their first job and all of a sudden all these places have been shut down uh, and they find themselves sitting at home and they don't know whether they'll ever get a job again and they don't know how things are going to go from it. They're starting to doubt themselves and they go into a dark space and uh, sadly, very, very sadly, the, um, the statistics around youth suicide are much higher than the statistics around COVID at this point in time. And it's a terrible thing because that is preventative. We yeah. can do something about that. If we can get to the kids and we can, we can help them, we can make a difference and we can save their lives. You know, so uh, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't express enough how important it is that 
uh, people in general and the government most especially acknowledges the problems around mental health for young people in particular, and they do something about that. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And, and if people listening to this want to um, do something, you know, what can, what can they do? Oh, well, they can go to um, a Thousand Miles to Light website. They can click on the donate button and they can help us support Reach Out to expand their services and do the vital work that they're doing. So it's very easy. And while they're at it, they can check out some of the podcasts. They can check out some of the video content, some of the photos that are there. Have a look at our social pages and also um, drop us a line and let us know if they're interested in participating in a qualifying event for the following year. So all we need is their name, a return email address and what state they're from and we'll, we'll touch base with them and we'll let them know about what event is going to be on their state to qualify for this event next year. And believe me, next year will be a much bigger event than this year. So, so what sort of runs will you have as qualifying runs? Uh, I'm thinking of having a five, uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be a 500 kilometre uh, uh, run. So a 500 kilometre run over five days. Uh, it'll be one in each state. And, and there'll be teams of four that will be able to participate in that. So, and the four runners will have to knock over 100 kilometers a day in the race. And then it'll be the best that, you know, the best from each state will take on the best from each state. And then that'll prove the best Australian team. And that, that'll be the team that takes on the world. Wow. So even the qualifying will be a huge challenge. I, I like Oh that. yeah. And a huge race within themselves. Look, look, my goal is to make this the biggest event in the Southern Hemisphere, like the Westfield run used to be, with yeah. major prize money and start, to, and start to give people the opportunity to be professional ultra-athletes. That sounds awesome. I love it. Excellent. Um, now, for yourself and, and the team members, what are some of the challenges you're facing in, within this current run? Oh, look, it's just, um, uh, it's most important to try and hang on to our mental attitude through all of this. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, it was so hard just to get to the starters line, to take the first step, to have so many setbacks and so many people saying, no, you can't do it. No, it's out. And then we'd have to modify things. And I suppose there's a lesson in that for everybody. And the lesson is that you need to be fluid. You need to be adaptable. And you need to believe in yourself and believe in your dream and never, ever give up on your goal. And if you do that, you will eventually achieve what you set out to do. Uh, and that's what running's all about, isn't it? It's about setting a goal and then working towards it in increments all the way through until you achieve that end goal. It's not about who comes first or who comes second. It's, about, it's, it's just about achieving what you set out to do. And like Cliff Young told me many, many years ago, you know, in order to win a race, you have to finish a race. So yeah. in order to finish a race, you've got to start a race. So you've got to be able to be there at the starter's line and make sure that you show up. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and what about some high points? Have you had some high points so far? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, um, all, the way, all the way through, it's been, it's, it's, as, as you know, with this business, it's a series of ups and downs. You know, yeah. you go through highs and lows, one moment you're crying, the next minute you're as happy as can be. It's, uh, it's, it's the nature of the beast. You know, you live a whole lifetime within a singular event with, with ultra running, uh, but it's wonderful to go through those emotions. Uh, watching the army at the finish line doing dances to try and cheer us up, you know, that is really something special. And then seeing uh, after we finish each day, we've had the opportunity to see some of the army personnel 
train for the infantry courses that they're doing. And they are, you know, they're hardcore and they're an inspiration to all of us. So, um, you know, it's wonderful to see these young men and women doing what they do. And, um, you know, they say that they're inspired by us, but we're definitely inspired by them as well. Yeah, that's great. Now, as you've alluded to, you mainly do your own organised challenges now instead of specific events. And why is that? Oh, quite simply because there's not enough events on anymore. There's not enough events out there and there's certainly not enough professional events. Mm. Uh, you know, I see the football and the cricket and all the rest of it, but uh, runners are basically uh, lone, lone people that want to just, they want to beat themselves each time. They want to beat their personal best. They want to, you know, and so, so there's not the opportunities, not enough opportunities for them around, not enough races for them around. And certainly not enough pinnacle races that they can aim towards with, with you know, where they can actually turn to be professional. Uh, um, I believe that the life lessons that ultra runners have, especially ultra runners, but indeed all runners, have uh, wonderful lessons for business. And so, I, you know, I want to encourage businesses to get more guest speakers from the ultra scene out there, talking to them about going through endurance and being fluid in, and adaptable to all sorts of weather conditions, all sorts of climates, all sorts of of things going going right and going wrong, uh, and those lessons are wonderful for wonderful examples for business in general. So you know the reason why I organise my own events is because I've been in this business long enough to see what the, both the athletes want and both what the sponsors want. Mm. Often events are tailored to suit the athletes or they're tailored to suit the sponsors, uh, but when you, you get the both together and it suits both purposes, you have a, an incredible event. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And and what are the difficulties involved in creating your own runs, though? Oh well, uh, a government permission. Often councils, you know, one of the things that annoys me is governments uh, say that they want people to be fit and healthy, and then you have local councils charging fitness trainers a fortune to be able to exercise in public parks and to be able to train other people in public parks. And they're not realizing the benefits that are coming back to the community by those people being fit and healthy. So, um, you know, we need to get a message through to government that they've got to cut some breaks for, especially in these times, for people that are, are fitness trainers. Uh, we've also got to, um, when you're organizing events, if they're on roads, you need police permission and you've got to work with police and local traffic authorities. So, um, you know, a lot of the events I've organized have been uh, trail runs, they've been um, soft sand runs because I've been able to take the runners off the roads and, and keep them in an environment where I haven't had to tick so many boxes with the police and local government. So it's made it just a little bit easier along those lines. But the more we can do that, the better it is and the safer it is. Uh, but either way, we need everybody working together towards a common goal and that is trying to make a fitter, healthier Australia. Yeah, that's a great goal. <clears throat> Now, um, I let my listeners know that I was going to be interviewing you and so they've sent some questions in. Oh, sure. What, someone wanted to know, what is the craziest thing? What's well, actually Zoe wanted to know, what is the craziest thing you've done outside of running? Outside of running? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good question. I climbed Matterhorn Mountain a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, it was, it's a beautiful looking mountain and I always wanted to um, climb it from the moment I first saw it. And so I, I, I made up my mind that that was going to be a goal. So 
went across to New Zealand. I did an Alpine experience course over there. I climbed a few mountains in New Zealand while I was at it and did some extra training. And then I went across to Switzerland and climbed out of Horn Mountain. And it was a yeah, wonderful life goal for me. And every time I see that mountain or I eat a, a piece of tobler on, I think about the fact that I, I conquered that mountain. <laughs> and Switzerland is a beautiful country. That's, that's oh, yeah. an awesome one. Um, another question was, how do you view running nowadays compared to when you were in the political fray? Well, you know, politics is a, a very, very difficult field because you can go in there with all the right intentions. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you don't toe the party line or if you're not working with a, the group and what the group philosophy is, uh, um, then it's very difficult to get things through and get things done. Yeah. Uh, um, I've always been a bit of a loner and I've always tried to champion the underdog. Uh, and politics is very much about numbers. So mm -hmm. if you've got a whole lot of people that want something to happen, the politicians will pay attention to it and they'll back it because they know there's votes in it. But if there's only, if there's only a handful of people getting behind something, they often won't touch it. But I've, I'm a big believer in the individual and the individual's rights. And so, uh, you know, for that reason, I, I, you know, I used to go out there and I fight pretty hard for people that needed, uh, in some cases, refugee status, in other, in other cases, uh, just a fair deal from a number of government departments that they were getting, that they weren't necessarily getting the right deal from because they weren't, they weren't represented until, until I had the opportunity to do that. So, you know, um, that's politics for you. And then, uh, you know, I find with running, running is difficult, but it's more physically difficult, whereas yeah. the politics is mentally difficult and mentally draining and frustrating. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I bet it is. But you can do a lot of good. And so if, if, you, if you go on there with the right intentions, you can do amazing things to help people. Yeah. Um, another one is what former politicians do you look up to as examples of those who do transition out of political life? Look, I do, I do like John Howard, and it might seem a little biased, but I've always liked John Howard because he, he stepped out of politics and he doesn't keep sticking his nose back into it all the time unless he's really got something very important to say. Uh, he was always like the nation's grandfather, uh, even when he was in politics. And, I, I, you know, I used to see the girls from the Australian Nepal team and, you know, they come back and he'd welcome them. He, he was a nice all-rounder. I liked him very much. I liked Bob Hawke too, by the way. Uh, I liked him. He was just a typical um, knock around Australian uh, who became prime minister. So there was two. Um, uh, um, Kim Beasley was an absolute gentleman. Uh, and uh, Kim, if it wasn't for Kim Beasley's support for me, uh, I never would have been able to run through Central America on that run that I did from North Pole through to the South Pole, because uh, there was a lot of difficulties with a lot of governments, in particular, the Mexican government trying to get through there. Uh, and so uh, he believed in me, he supported me with that, and he spoke to the government officials. And uh, consequently, I was able to do an incredible thing for the International Red Cross with that run. So um, yeah, there are a couple that I look up to, yeah. And, and the last question from the listeners is, how do you avoid burnout within your running? Oh, you do so much. How, how do I avoid what, sorry? Burnout, burnout. Oh, burnout. Yeah, um, look, I, I, I love it. I, I, I run, I, I love what I do and, and because I, I love what I do and I need, I'm sort of person I need purpose in my life. 
Mm. So when I run, I'm always running for a worthwhile cause. I'm always trying to raise money for charities. I raise literally millions of dollars for different charities throughout the world, not just here in Australia. You know, I ran the length of India for girls' education over there. Uh, I ran, I ran through the Middle East for to to help the peace campaign over there. You know, Lebanon, Jordan, Israel, and Palestine. Uh, I've run, you know, Central America for clean water projects, Vietnam for clean water projects, for International Red Cross on clean sanitary conditions. So, with that, it gives me purpose. So, whatever I have the ability to be able to highlight a cause and then and then raise money for that cause or support that cause and make a difference. I'll always do it. You know, that's what that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. It helps me keep going. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair enough. All right, and and um, and another question is, who's winning so far, or can you can you not tell us? No, I'm happy to tell you. The Australians uh, um, got a commanding lead on the first day. It was part of our strategy, uh, and we've worked very solidly as a team. I, we we really pushed the envelope on the first day. We were running phenomenal times. Uh, and, but we knew that we were going to do that. Then we wanted to just consolidate that lead from that point on. The same thing happened to me in reverse when I was doing the Trans-American run many years ago. And I learned from that. And, I told, and so I spoke to our team and I said to them, here's the strategy. This is what we've got to do. We need to at least get an hour on the Americans. And then we need to just stick to them like glue. And yeah. um, we're able to do that. And then after three days, we got to a stage where where we, 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 you know, they'd lost their, 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 their spirit a bit, their fighting spirit a bit. They've re, they regained it afterwards, but it gave us an opportunity to put a commanding lead on them. So we are more than, uh, tomorrow's the last day. We will finish at five o'clock tomorrow. And we're more than 24 hours ahead of the American wow. team. That's awesome. Uh, that is no disgrace to them. They, uh, they, went, they went through a lot to try and be here for the event. Uh, and the Australians were just so determined and we were absolutely motivated. You know, we had a dear friend, a very dear friend of three of the runners in the Australian team, myself included, that took his life uh, at the start of this whole COVID situation 18 months wow. ago. And yeah. it was because he was in a dark place and he was suffering depression. And that's been the motivational force behind us. So there was never, ever going to be any question of it. We were always going to give it our absolute best. Uh, I admire the American team for all that they've had to put up with it to, to get here and to be here and to compete. And uh, like I said to somebody the other day, it's so easy to, to win or, or to keep running when you're in the lead, yeah. but it's not so easy when you're behind. Uh, and all credit to them for not giving up on this thing and for sticking it out all the way through. So, you know, they're, they're great athletes. They're great athletes, and I look forward to welcoming them back again next year. And and what's it like of an evening when you are sitting around having dinner? You, you all sort of get along, even though you're competing against each other during the day. Do do you put that aside in the evenings? Yeah, we do. We do. I mean, uh, uh, we do absolutely. We all understand the pain that each other is going through on a daily basis, and that's what running's like. Um, it with with running you're really only ever competing against yourself because it's yourself that makes you slow down. It's the aches and the pains that make you want to stop or quit or, or, or slow. And then it's about overcoming that. So really we're only ever racing ourselves. And Giannis Kuris said that to me many, many years ago, and I wasn't quite sure what he was talking about, but I've learned over time that that's exactly what it's all about. And that's why I love running. That's why I love ultra running because 
you always get to a point where your body is telling you to quit and mm. your mind is telling you, no, we're here for the long haul and you stick it out and you get through it and you feel good about yourself for doing so. How do you push through that? Uh, I remind myself that the day I can't finish a run will be probably the last day I run. So uh, I keep reminding myself, no matter what, I'm going to finish every single thing I start. Well, that's that's a really good attitude. So, um, so even when even if you're not finishing to the way that you would like, you will finish it regardless. Yeah, yeah. You know what? They can pack up the things around me, but I'm going to stay there until I get across that finish line. It doesn't matter what happens, because to me, that's what it's all about. That's that's what yeah. that's what I love. My races have always been against distance, not against time. Yeah. And that's the difference. So many people measure themselves against time, but it's a, false, it's a false measurement because what happens is they talk about how fast they run a certain distance in the time, but it really comes down to what weather conditions there is, whether yes. it's driving snow, you're going to run a different time in driving snow and wind and headwinds than you are under normal conditions. If it's roasting hot, if it's in the middle of the desert, if it's on soft sand, if it's on gravel, if it's on bitumen, if it's on grass, if it's around an oval, so forget about the times and just concentrate on finishing what you started. Yeah, I like that. And, and it's so true. It is so true. That's right. Now, is there anything that I haven't covered yet that you would like to share with us or, or let us know about? I think we've, gone, we've, we've just about gone through everything, but I really want to encourage everybody to go to 1000 Miles to Light uh, website uh, and look at the socials enjoy the photos enjoy the videos that we've been able to produce when when the film comes out on ko very shortly uh, okay. please take the time to watch it because i think you'll see what you're able to do if you if you're absolutely determined and if you can if anybody can just i don't care even if it's just one dollar go to the website 1000 miles to light press on the donate button and and donate whatever you can afford anything it may just be your son, your daughters, or even your own life that you end up saving. Uh, and it it gives us purpose when we know that we're helping others. Yeah, no, and, and that's true. And so I'll put the links for that in the um in the in the show notes. So thank you. Yeah, and so when will you um in regards to the website, when will you know about the um the, the extra runs, the, the qualifying runs? Oh um uh, so over the next month, uh so so by the end of, uh, uh, into October, we will have everything up there and in place. So keep your eye on the website, 1000 Miles to Light, and we'll, we'll be letting everybody know, we've just got to secure the venues in each state, and we'll be letting everybody know about the qualifying events. Uh, and there may even be one qualifier on this year before the end of the year in one state, and then the rest will be early next year. And of course, uh, August next year will be when the Broken Hill to Byron Bay run is on again. Well, that's very exciting and, and something for everyone to, to look forward to, especially, you know, having something so big within Australia. So thank you for, for doing that. My pleasure. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, do you have any more running to do today? Yes, or? I do, I do. I've still got to get back out on the track, so I'll, uh, out on the trail, so. So um, I'll head back to it, but thank you. Thank you very much for your time and your support with the project. And we'll keep you up to speed with how it all finishes up tomorrow. That'd be great. All right. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. 
I hope you enjoyed this interview with Pat. I loved his comment about mental attitude being so important to your longevity in this sport. And it's also exciting news about his qualification events. They sound like they'll be huge challenges, which is what we all love, isn't it? If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could share it with a friend, either on social media or directly. If you do share it on socials, don't forget to tag me. Have a great week of running and training and have lots of fun out on the roads and trails.